Well, little brother Bill being here, I'll, I'll get up. <laughs> um, thank you for coming. <laughs> A little scarce here, but that's okay. Lord knows. Um, I mentioned, I referenced this passage in Psalm 57 when David was in the cave. One of the times he was in the cave with Saul. And that's when he said, you know, afterwards, fixed, my heart is fixed, my heart is fixed. Knowing that he, <clears throat> apart from that, he would have taken his own direction. Like, God, if you don't fix my heart, I'm going to kill this son of a gun because he's, he's deserving of it. But at the beginning of this, it says, at that chapter it says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me. My soul trusteth in thee. I love that. Be, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm putting my trust in you. Please be merciful. I, mean, I find myself asking God daily, like, Lord, I mean, he does say new mercies. But be merciful unto me, Lord. That's my way of saying, God, I don't know what I need today or in this situation, but you do. But really what I want to get to here in, in, in conclusion um, Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be past. I will cry unto the Most High God that performeth all things for me. And there's a place of refuge that we can get into now. I appreciate the line yesterday because it's, it's available presently. Not, you know, in... Maybe not the resolve or the answer that we look for, but there is a provision presently for refuge for us. But that word performeth, that means to, to, to end, um, to come to an end, to perfect, to perform. And I thought, um, that's a God that we serve, that there is an end coming. And with David here, wasn't too many chapters from I don't know the time frame between when he was in the cave and when Saul was finally taken care of by God. Because that's what he said. You know, God was going to take care of Saul. David didn't have to. So there was an end in his situation. And I say today, um, whatever and wherever we are, and whatever calamity we may be facing, he's going to perform it for us. He will bring a resolve if we seek that place of refuge. So, Lord, anoint the service. Give us what our need. Give us this day our daily bread. Exactly what we need in Jesus' name. Amen.
Richard if anything was happening this morning. He said, he said nobody's streaking up there. And I thought that was positive. When I was growing up, that was a big deal. Personally, I'm pretty thankful for clothes. Uh, let's see. That song, I love that song. Um, oh, oh, let me love you. The way that you love me. The... That, that, you know, to think about that, I hope we understand the impossibility of that request, right? When you think about the kind of love that God has demonstrated to us all and um, what that means, what the love of the Father really is like. And uh, I was thinking about what we were singing. And uh, <clears throat> because you... I think the Bible, the Bible says it, you know, scarcely will a man, you know, die for, and, you know, there are certain, sometimes you get moments of inspiration, you believe you'd die for somebody, uh, and then we find out it's much harder to live for somebody, um, but then you figure God sending his son to people that hated him. That, that's a kind of love that, that is way above anything, you know, the, any human agency can offer. <clears throat> the best any of us can do, apart from the love of God, um, and apart from being in sync with God, is to love ourselves better than everybody else. And uh, sometimes we have a, a gasping sound when we say, well, that is just self-centered. And none of us should gasp about that because we all understand it, right? We all understand that we loved ourselves more first. <laughs> And uh, as much as we love our children or our spouses or one another, we, we do run into loving ourselves more. And, and there's a scripture that's important uh, that uh, maybe I'll start with, and that is in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It's a, it talks, uh, John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I've, I've thought about, and then it says all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is of the world, and the world passes away. But those that do the will of my Father abide forever. So I, I think that's what it says. Um, and when it says love not the world, Bob and I were comparing notes how just spectacular it was out here this morning. And I suppose maybe we appreciate it a little bit more today because it's been so smoky. <laughs> and, and when you get older, you get up earlier. And so the benefit of that is 
that it was extremely clear this morning, really early, the mountains was very, very clear, and the air was really clear, um, and how, how beautiful this is. And so I don't think that scripture has anything to do with uh, don't love the world. I mean, I love what God has provided here. Um, wasn't always this nice. You know, you find yourself trying to explain to your children what it used to be like. <laughs> That's an impossibility, isn't it? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I didn't either, right? You know, so I, I, I didn't want to hear either. I mean, I, I was respectful to my grandfather, but <laughs> it was sort of placating in my heart, right? Yeah, okay. Um, but when it says love not the world, I think, uh, you know, that, that isn't a fixed kind of a, a list. Um, my wife really dislikes sporting events. And that's just one of the multitude of differences that we have. Um, she gets excited about zucchini, onions, and tomatoes in a pan. <laughs> and I eat some of those things because I think they're good for me. But that's where it stops, right? There's no other excitement in my heart. And, um, but, um, so her world is different than my world. And everybody's world is different. So really, this is kind of a personal message, love not the world. And really, what the world consists of is listed afterwards, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You, when you, and that's different for every single one of us, right? You know, the lust of the eyes. What, what is it you're interested in? What you see, you gotta have it, you think. Or, or the lust of the flesh, what your particular desires are. It's different, it's so different, my goodness. Um, and then it says the pride of life. And uh, I, I looked up the pride of life because there's a guy named Joseph Henry Thayer. I don't know if you have that little Bible program, but my Bible program has the, the Strong's Concordance. And so you press the thing um, and then you believe for a minute that you're like a Greek scholar and understand all things, but you don't. But you read, there's one guy named Joseph Henry Thayer, uh, from, he was from the 1800s. And he was a theologian, and he wrote The Pride of Life. He said, <laughs> this is how we defined it, an insolent and empty assurance which trusts in its own power and resources. I thought that was a pretty good definition. And really, that is really the, if you're going to talk about not loving the world, it really is, it's different for all of us, but in this way, it's very much the same. And that is, it's trusting in its own resources that you and I know what exactly will satisfy what exactly will bring peace, what exactly I have to have in my life for my life to be good. That is how I guess you could define what the world has to offer. The orderly arrangement of things that we live in in this natural world is really what it, the scripture is referring to is really that you can somehow provide what you need to be happy in this life. And I think that's what John is referring to. Um, and, you know, you, you think about it. Um, 
I was thinking about the other day, Job loved the world, which is a contrary thought to me because he was the most righteous in the East. But he loved his world. And his world was pious. He did sacrifices. He did sacrifices in case. He knew his kids might mess around, so he did extra. He loved his world. And God had to blow that up. Boy, is that frightening. Because he had a decent world. It wasn't a world of nightclubs and carousing. I don't know if they had nightclubs, but... I don't even know if they have nightclubs now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm feeling very old this morning. <laughs> nightclubs. <laughs> okay. Those are clubs you go to at night <laughs> when it's dark and sinister. Uh, I, my father used to play in nightclubs. He played instruments, you know. And I remember going there in the daytime because I was too young to go there at night. And I went in there, and this is a bizarre place, you know, like it, it had dark walls, and it was like walking into a cave in the daytime. I thought, wow, this is a nightclub. Um, <clears throat> but Job loved his world, and really that's what God's working with every single one of us to, to get out of us, uh, get us away from loving my world. And it's not the same. And we look at each other and we say, how could they love that? How could they love that? They just, they need to just forsake that. Yeah, okay. You and I are pretty good at making analysis of other people's worlds. But, but really, you know, God is extricating us from our world, from my world. What's the world that I am so attached to that I must have? And... Um, that's where God's working with all of us. He says, love not the world. If you love the world, if you love your world, my love isn't in you. Because God's love, man, it transcends all that, doesn't it? Transcends all those things that I have to have, all those needs that I have, all those, those provisions that must be perfect for me. Um, you know, I joke a lot about I'd be a lot better off if you'd all be nice to me all the time. But really, in my heart, I believe that. And, and I'm not saying I should believe it. I'm just saying I know I, a lot of the things I joke about, they're actually, if you want to know, I'll let you in on a secret. I believe a lot of them. Uh, and that's why I laugh at them, because they're funny. But it's, there's actually truth there. Uh, small t. Um, and so then... You know Job loved the world because, you know, Elihu comes on the scene and, and demonstrates and, and God has to deliver him from his own world that he loves. And, and Elihu comes on the scene and he says, uh, look, uh, Job has said this, this and this. Let, let, us, uh, let us choose to us judgment. That's in Job 34. Uh, I'm trying not to turn to too many verses, but let us choose to us judgment. And, um, and you know. Uh, God has really, he sent his Holy Ghost for 
uh, for a reason for every single one of us because we need judgment. We need the right kind of judgment. And, and judgment is not synonymous with condemnation. I hope we understand that. And judgment has a bad uh, intonation, right? If you look in the book of Isaiah, I mean, uh, Amos, he says, um, and, and he, he gets, he's going through, I may talk about Amos a little bit, but um, I hate to say I'm going to talk about something later. Because when people say that when they're up here, you want to say, well, how much later? <laughs> a lot later, do you mean? Or do you just mean in a minute? Or, uh, <laughs> but I might talk about Amos later. So get a snack. <laughs> Go get some crackers. Um, but in Amos, he goes through all these judgments. He said, and, he, and then he says, because you didn't respond, O Israel, prepare to meet thy God. Right? And uh, pending doom and judgment. And, and there is somebody, I don't know who they are. I don't know if they're the same group, but they buy uh, billboard space when you're driving on like I-75 or something, which I do a lot of, and, and they buy billboards that say, prepare to meet thy God, you know. I think that's a bad thing to have on the highway, for one, right? <laughs> but there are, there's a lot of those things, you know, God's coming back and this time he's angry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. Anyway. Um, but I don't believe that judgment is synonymous with condemnation. Or I don't believe it's synonymous with doom. And I don't believe it's in God's heart. I think it's in God's heart to bring true judgment. But I don't think it's for the purpose of destruction. I think it's from the purpose, for the purpose of extricating us and extricating me from my world that I'm in love with. He said, let us know, uh, let us choose to us judgment. Let us know what is right, Job. Let's find that out. What is really right for you? What is it that you actually have to have? And I was talking to someone recently and I said, most of my, my uh, coming to sanity is in my rearview mirror because I, in the middle of stuff, I just don't recognize that this is what I need to have because I'm in pain, right? And God brings difficulty in your life and, and you're, you're in pain and it's hard to have a, the right kind of sanity or the right kind of response to what's going on in your life. And, and, but, it, but afterwards, <laughs> you see, geez, I really had to have that. And I didn't know where God was taking me. It's very hard to anticipate or to foresee joy. Because it says weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And that's a promise. And that's a hope. But that is not seen. If it was seen ahead of time, where would the test be? Where would the trial of my faith be, right? Where would be the issue of trusting a heavenly father that cares about me, that loves me in a way that I can hardly comprehend? And that loves us in a way. And loves his children in a way that where he will get to the point, he will do things that you and I are consider unfathomable and unbelievable. And 
and, and will take us through things for one central reason. And that's what Amos is all about. Amos 4 and 5. Amos goes through. He says, I'm not going to turn open, but... Um, well, I started to say before I go on to that, that God sends His Spirit for the purpose of judgment. And it says in John 16 that His Spirit comes in and He's going to reprove the world of sin and, and of righteousness and of judgment. And I thought about that. Boy, He does. He needs The Spirit must come and reveal. And I loved Hannah's opening yesterday that, that now sin is not imputed to you. Now. Um, that yeah, does that mean we have we don't sin yet? No, but there it doesn't mean we don't sin. It, it what it does mean is that there is this perfect provision for us. That is a perfect sacrifice that's been made for if, right? If we sin, First John two. If we sin, we have a perfect provision. God's made a provision for that. It's not imputed to us because the wages of sin is death. And you and I have escaped death because of that sacrifice. And then it says, uh, reprove of um, righteousness because he's imputed righteousness to us. And it clearly explains it, right? And is it Romans 4? It was imputed to Abraham before circumcision. Right? It wasn't something because of your good behavior that righteousness is imputed to you. And that takes a while to get us out of that. Behavior that is becoming to the Lord is a response to what he's done. It's not the impetus to get us someplace. He imputes righteousness, right standing, so that we can have a relationship. And then it says judgment. Um, because the prince of this world is judged. And the great judgment on the prince of this world is the great sell, sales job, the great product that, that the serpent was selling in the garden was that you can make right decisions between right and wrong, good and evil, apart from the spirit of God. Right? I mean, isn't that basically what he said? I mean, if I ever write my own translation of the Bible, <laughs> which seems to be a popular activity, <laughs> um, I think some... Some of the things out there that are written, they, they're not really translations. They're interpretations. They're someone's feelings. And they're nice. Some of them are nice. Um, we, used to, we, we used to joke about Russell Stendhal writing his own Bible. And then he'd use it when he preached. Yeah, I'd like to do that too. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I say. I'm teasing. He's a wonderful man. Please, please don't. Okay, I know somebody's going to put it on Facebook. <laughs> Sorry, Russell. I doubt it. Um, so the Spirit's there for the purpose of judgment to reveal to us that, man, it's not in man to know the way he should go. Even though we're born with that thought. And, and the, the Spirit bring judgment and clarity. And I just got to tell you this. You and I are the happiest when there's clear judgment working here. I mean, clearly, a clear line of definition of what is what. Is what. 
And I know there's a big move on to be able to freely express ourselves, have a voice, and in the world, that's a big deal. And I'm for freedom of speech. I'm not talking about the Constitution. But boy, I have found that my personal freedom of speech that is born out of the love of my world is very destructive. My freely reacting is destructive. And I don't mean I don't have to see that. I do. God lets me see it. And unfortunately, I've had to see it more than 10 times. Which could be 11. Or could be 11,000. I don't know. But you just got, you do have to see that. But that's not like the liberty God's bringing us to. You know, the great liberty is that you can love like the Father loves. That's liberty. That's freedom. That transcends whatever is presented in front of you. It transcends that. Um, but God uses a bunch of tools to get us into the condition where we will relate to him. And that's what Amos is all about. You can read it on your own Bible study time. But in Amos 4, there's a few things he says. First, he said, uh, you know, his whole thing is that... Um, he did this, and he, but you didn't return. So, I mean, it's almost like, it, the way it's written, it's almost like God's going to try, okay, I got a new idea, I'll try this now. And then he says, well, I'll try this. Okay, they did, no, that didn't work. All right, back, I mean, it's not as though God has to go back to the drawing board, right? I and mean, it's kind of a, you know, you can't really put human attributes on. But the way it's written, he says, I sent to you cleanness of teeth, which actually confirms to me the affliction that comes by dentistry. <laughs> Which I've always known that. Because they use metal things on soft gums. I don't know. I mean, and then they have these metal drills and stuff and they turn it on before they get it in your mouth and that's to scare you extra. <laughs> I mean, I floss and brush, but boy. He, did, he, sent, he says, no rain. They had a drought. Yeah. He, blasting and mildew. The Bible's very just pestilence. It says he's taken away the horses. That does not seem like an affliction. <laughs> I don't know if Carrie, is Carrie here this morning? I don't want to offend her, but. Oh, thank the Lord. Maybe she's listening. <laughs> Says they're overthrown. You know, everything that God does in this, this is, uh, this is okay to preach about. It's just <laughs> the living of this is hard. That everything that God does really is for one purpose. It's to get you closer to him. It's to draw you higher. It's to draw you up. It's... And, and he's not afraid to use whatever means he has available to that personally affects my world. My world is so weird sometimes, the things that affect me. I mean, I can hear the worst things and the most heavy things, and then somebody just makes a slight, simple sentence. One noun, one verb, and maybe one little adjective. And 
and I am. You have your own strange world too that you live in. And it just doesn't, we get affected in our world and God uses the means. He, you know, you know he just inspires people to be sent to you sometimes, right? To, to say something that disrupts your world. You know, my wife hears me talking to myself and instead of being loving like the Heavenly Father, she says, who are you talking to? God. <laughs> but you say, what did that person mean by that? I don't know if you do that, but I've had a lot of, I used to live down at the shop uh, and walk up here. It was perfect because I could talk a long time. That whole slash is full of things that I said. <laughs> And then, <clears throat> so after all this effort, God makes for us to return. They still didn't return. So then in the next chapter, he's kind of encouraging. He said, look, would you seek me and live? He said, you that turn judgment into wormwood. And that means that you've turned the judgment that the spirit wants to bring into your life into something that's bitter. <clears throat> and that's hard not to do when you're in pain. And sometimes people don't get out of that for years. And you maybe have known some. But what he's really interested in is you getting a clear, sound mind about the judgment of the Spirit of God that comes into our lives as a necessity that I must have to be able to distinguish what is really right and what is not right. What really is the thing that I have to have, what is really needed for me to, to find his life, what, it is, what really is necessary to occur with me for me to come into this relationship with, with my Heavenly Father that I am called to, what really is needed to bring me, transcend me out of my world into the love of the Father. Because the love of the Father is tremendous that you and I have been recipients of it. But isn't the whole purpose of the love of the Father that it would flow through people? Isn't that God's intention that you and I would be conformed to the very image yeah. of what that is? That it, uh, uh, so great. Let me just tell you the greatness of God loving me, 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 me. But what does it mean if it doesn't come through me? If it isn't active and working and, and, and works here and works out there and, and wherever I find myself. Because you and I are, you know you and I are full of judgments. I need another judge working because I look and I say, oh, they're not worthy of my love. Right? How many times you, you don't even have to premeditate. It's not like you have to, to wait on yourself. Anybody sit and have... Wait on yourself. You walk into, and I, you know, you walk into a Starbucks and it seems like, the, well, it's probably because I frequent Starbucks when I'm not home that I see this, but they just have weird things they, they have on. They have piercings all over and, and all, I mean, just all kinds of decorative work going on. And, and I think, I, I, God so loved the world. Is the love of the Father working in you?
through you. That's the whole point. And so he says further in Amos 5, let judgment, establish judgment in the gate right here. Establish, let, let the judgment of the spirit be established in you. It says, let judgment run down like a stream. And he gets down to Amos 8. I'm saving you a lot of Bible study time. It gets down to the great need, the great famine, the great dearth is hearing, hearing the Lord. And that's my dearth that I face. I know for years we, we, and I'm not critical of this, but we grew up under hear and obey. And before I get to obey, <laughs> I needed to take a long pause on here. <laughs> because it takes a lot to get me into the condition to hear. I'm not always ready to hear. And obey is not about performance. Obey is about trust. The one that's speaking. It's not about what he's going to deliver. Is he going to provide a beautiful place? Well, he did, but that's not why you came. You didn't know that in the early stages. And this is just the natural. We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about life forevermore in the presence of God. We're talking about union with the Lord that's promised. And you don't know what that means for life on earth. But I'll tell you this, it's, it's never been a temporal reward. I mean, I'm... I'm very thankful for everything that God's provided. Flourishing businesses and things paid for. Better travel now. A new program. Better family funds. Oh, retirement funds. Better housing. Anything else? He's thought about this more than me. What? But we didn't. Those are all. Uh, 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 those are all things we're thankful for. I, I've never had a, a doctrine of. Discomfort. I've never been susceptible to that. Um, but plenty I'm thankful for, but it's still got the same problems. Plenty doesn't mean the love of the Father is working through me. I mean, isn't that what we're still looking for? If we, if, for whatever happens, if all our businesses dry up and go bankrupt and we go back to whatever it is we go back to, I mean, we talk about, wow, we really need to go, well, the only time generally you go back is when you have to. I kind of know that. I kind of know we're a bunch of Western world people where the standard of living is, you know, 
And of course, I jump around and get nervous and say, wait, 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 wait. Can we wait? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, David. <laughs> um, but whether it's plenty or, or not plenty, and uh, it, those terms are very hard to define too in this world, what's plenty and what isn't plenty and what somebody else is plenty and what somebody thinks they have to have and what they, you know, those are all kind of relative terms. But, but you and I aren't any better off because we have more or because we have less. Actually, Proverbs says, feed me with food that's convenient. Lest there be poor and steal, all I think about is getting more. <coughs> or I'd be rich and I forget you. Those aren't the issues. Yeah, we find ourselves now with plenty. There was a time we found ourselves with not much. And, I, and that's the thing you try to convey to your children. <laughs> Don't you know? No. You know, you want to. Uh, but neither of those things are the issue. The issue is, Lord, I gotta have what's convenient. And it doesn't mean convenient in the sense that I think of convenience store. It means appropriate. It means what's appointed for me. Job says, I get the thing that's appointed for me. Right? That's what is the issue. Lord, give me what's appointed because I, I, I can flaw in poverty. I can flaw in wealth. I can flaw in any condition if I don't see that the issue is, is the love of God working in me? Or is it just to me? More, 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 more. So that's what Amos is all about. That there's a famine from the hearing of the words of the Lord. It's, that's where the famine is. That's where the, because God is interested in bringing us into this dialogue with himself that's real. Hear. Hear what he's saying. If you're not hearing what he's saying, if you're not aware of what he's saying, none of the things in life make any sense. You're left with just my free reaction that's born out of myself. Born out of my soul. And he says to the children of Israel, he says, you know, the stork, the turtle dove, the crane, the swallow. Oh, I wish Debbie Hardy was here right now. Because this would have meaning to her. It doesn't mean much to me, but I'm reading it anyway. It's in the Bible. So. But they seem to know what's appointed for them. They seem to know what's going on. What... God's appointed for them. He says, but my people don't get it. I guess there would be one thing if you want to do is say, God, I don't, I need you to be clearer with me. I know because I am slow. It takes me a while. <clears throat> he says, in further in Amos, he's going to do something. You know, you, you got to read the whole thing. Don't stop at the portion that says, prepare to meet thy God. That's the problem with those billboards. That seems like that's the end of the whole program. But you read through all the prophets. Read about where God is taking you. Yeah, and I know we love to preach about affliction, 
But that is not a resting place. That is not a permanent place. It's a stop along the way, yeah. Yeah. And God is willing to do whatever it takes. But there's a destination in mind. That's the whole point. And so he says in the middle of all that, he says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David. You know what that's about? That's the ark inside this plain old tent. You know what that's about? It was open 24-7. Okay, do you know what that's about? It's about Ephesians 2. <laughs> that there's a new and living way that's been opened that you and I have been given access by the Spirit to the Father. And just because I preach that, it doesn't mean it's, it's magic. I've got to look for it. I gotta seek it. I gotta say, and I probably told you this, the one time I had to sleep in the same bed with somebody I was traveling with besides my wife was Gary Snow. And we're laying next to each other and Gary Snow is a bigger person. And I was able to narrow myself into about eight inches. It was a work of the spirit, it was miraculous. I just, thank you. Because uh, it was like a double bed or something. Anyway, it was, I mean, I had one position that night. Right? <laughs> he did too. But he wakes up in the morning. He's quite a guy. The guy's been through a lot of hell. But he wakes up in the morning and he says, I feel resurrection life. <laughs> and I'm saying, I'm not really feeling it, Gary. <laughs> and there's a reason I don't feel it. Even though the tabernacle of David is open 24-7, even though that's the one tabernacle that God says I'm going to restore. And you can read about it in Acts too. He's raising up the tabernacle of David. What is that? That's an open a, a, a way that's been open for us to access the Father by the Spirit. Lord, here I am again this morning. <laughs> Can you... Uh, <laughs> this is your slow child. Can you talk to me today? Can I be aware of what you're saying? But it, it's on the road to Emmaus, and I love that thing. I, I love the road to Emmaus story. Was it to Emmaus? It's when he met the two guys after he was resurrected. And they wanted, they, edu they wanted to educate Jesus. And I like it because we're reading it and I know the whole thing, right? Um, but they didn't. And, and he says, oh, hi, fellas. Uh, what manner of communications is this that you're having and are sad? Are you the only one in the whole area that didn't get a grip, fella? You know? You know, he lets, and he lets them go on and on. I don't know. I, and I don't know. The Lord's done that with me. He lets me talk. Finally, he says, Oh, fools and slow of heart. You know what that word fools is? It wasn't as much a 
derogatory term, though it is. It just means sensual. Oh, you insist on living on the basis of your five senses. You won't get it if that's where you live. Now, how do I get out of that? <clears throat> that takes the Lord to get me out of that. Because in my world, there are five senses that determine what's going on. And what God must do is break in on us by his spirit with a different judgment, a different take on what's going on. The first temptation of Jesus when the devil, the spirit, it says, drove him to the wilderness and the devil's talking to him. He says, hey, command these stones that they be turned to bread. And Jesus said, <clears throat> and it was kind of the gateway of the whole program. He said, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. God help us to say, Lord, I need to hear you. I need to hear what you're saying. Lord, I've been free in my reactions or free in my judgments. I need a different judge working. Because Lord, I see that you called me to get out of love with my world that has those five senses that are so powerful and get me into a love that transcends all that, the love of the Father. Lord, that's what I need. And I don't know how to get there. But Lord, I know you intend to get me there. So Lord, let me look at this Right now, can you judge me? <laughs> can you bring your judgment? Because his judgment, honestly, when it's clear, brings joy. It brings joy. It's not about condemnation. It's not about doom. It's about bringing me into this relationship with him that only he can do. So God help us in that as we're being delivered from loving our world into the love of the Father. Amen. Okay, very clear this morning.
was thinking about this. Uh, I've, David did a very good job saying this, but uh, it's good to consider the word judgment in the way the Lord means it because uh, it's got to be a work in our lives. You know, if we... Uh, if you if you read through what David has to say about the judgments of the Lord, you know, they're pure, they're clean, they're enduring forever. You realize that um, the Lord really is at work in a merciful way with all of us that are slow. I like how David used that. We're all we really are special ed cases for <laughs> what the Lord has taken us through and where we uh, if I think to myself of, of what the Lord has patiently revealed to me, I'm thankful that. When I blow it one more time, he doesn't stop with the lesson. He comes back and is willing to open my eyes. But really, the, uh, there is no one but the Lord that can really reveal to you the world that you're living in and reveal to you that it does not bring life. That's what I can say. You know, the, our own world, it just doesn't bring life. And uh, I thought this was very clear this morning just to... Uh, it's impossible, even without the help of the Lord of David open with, to really is completely impossible to love the Lord the way that he loves us. But uh, if you don't uh, lose patience, sometimes just with yourself in that process of revealing, the Lord really is able to reveal to you and to me uh, our own world that must go. And that is, that is a, uh, what he said at the end there. The, the beauty of that is that there is a world of new life, there is a world of access into the Lord that is available to us. Uh, that is the world you want to be in. That is the world that is to come. That is what, that's what the kingdom is all about. Thank you, Lord, that Saturday morning, that tomorrow, we get to wake up and have access into a world that is not our own world. Remaining in, if I was going to say something today, it was about the, uh, the horrible thought of being stuck in your own world. That's a horrible thought. To just be, just to remain as you are. And the Lord is opening access every day to us to not remain as we are, to have our eyes open, to move forward into things that are new, that are uh, a place where we actually can love someone besides ourselves. Left to ourselves, that really is the option we have. That's everything that is coming out of the society of life right now is the further establishment of ourselves. And the Lord's offering us an opportunity to uh, move into. Uh, the world of his life. That is, that's exciting. That's, that's worth pondering on. And it's also worth um, staying in there in the places that the Lord uh, is revealing to you that must go where it seems impossible. Uh, sometimes all you can do, as David said, is just to return again to the Lord in those areas. Um, that should be an encouragement. Very clear. Thank you, David. <clears throat>